Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Cold Fusion Now podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in the science, engineering, and business of Cold Fusion Leonard. I'm your host, Ruby Garrett. Today, I'm speaking with David Daggett, an engineer and president of the former Phonon Energy, a nonprofit Leonard Research Lab now closed. David Daggett received a PhD in engineering from Cranfield University, specializing in power and propulsion. He's worked for large corporations like Parker Aerospace and Boeing, maturing ideas into working concepts focused on energy and environmental technologies. Currently, he's a candidate running for political office in the Washington State Legislature with top issues of protecting the social safety net such as health care, fairer taxes, and putting science back into policymaking. Welcome, David Daggett. Well, thanks so much for having me here, Ruby. It's great to have you. Now, David, in your career as an aerospace engineer, what kinds of projects did you work on that were focused on energy and the environment? Well, I guess the two major areas were fuel cells and also biofuel. Uh, I worked on looking at solid oxide fuel cells for replacing the auxiliary power unit on commercial aircraft. And once the technology matures, I think we'll find that on future commercial aircraft. And then also looking at using PEM fuel cells for uh, combination fire suppression and emergency power system. Uh, That'll probably be a little bit uh, near term. And then the most notable project was a biofuel project where we worked in conjunction with Virgin Atlantic to fly a 747 from London Heathrow Airport to Schiphol Amsterdam Airport on biofuel. And that really mushroomed into quite a large demonstration program with several different airlines and then eventually with the U.S. Air Force. And now I think it's uh, on something like about a dozen airlines are using a a small amount of biofuel. And uh, Hmm. something like four different airports are are using it in, in Europe. Well, when did Leonard Cold Fusion pop up on your radar? Well, I went to a conference, a technology conference, and uh, NASA's chief scientist, Dennis Bushnell, was there, and he was giving a presentation about future technologies, and he mentioned LENR, and uh, I thought, you know, this just sounds too good to be true, and so... (laughs) I uh, I didn't think too much about it, but then started doing a little research and noticed that there was quite a few reputable people that were working on it. And so I paid uh, a little closer attention and just kept reading and studying it for, uh, for years and uh, became a believer that there was something to this LENR. Hmm. Uh, well, what made you want to jump in and start researching? Well, I had retired from from Boeing, and uh, I worked with several engineers there that I had convinced that that LNR was was real, 
and some of them are retiring also. And so we got together a little team to put together a demonstration project uh, using um, uh, lasers. And uh, uh, we used uh, one of the, the chief people that was involved with us was an uh, aeroacoustic engineer. So, you know, they're really into uh, vibrations and so forth for mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. And so he had an idea how to possibly create a uh, surface plasmon, polariton, on uh, nickel powder. And so we thought, well, let's give it a shot. And so uh, my wife and I invested into Phonon Energy, and then the rest of the engineers volunteered their time. And so we worked on it for about uh, about three years there and uh, ended up getting one, one positive result. Mm. It's uh, interesting because I did read on your website, phonon-energy.org, that uh, over three years that you worked on this, that you did only have one positive result, and that really caused you to shut the project down. Um, How many attempts did your team make? And talk about that positive result. Um, I understand it was one of those laser-induced excess heat uh, experiments in the style of Dennis Letts and Dennis Cravens. Uh, can you explain how yours was different, and why do you think you got that excess heat that time? Yeah, so we did read the paper from uh, Letts and Cravens and also Higgelstein and met with, with Peter Higgelstein a few times and even went to his class and uh, then thought, you know, I, I need to learn more about this. And so I started taking... Uh, nuclear engineering classes to uh, to get more up to speed, and uh, uh, you know I, I don't claim to know everything about nuclear engineering, but at least I could understand what they were talking about. So we had more discussions and uh, continued to work on putting the team together, and so we used the things that were a little different is that we used uh, nickel powder. Uh, mm-hmm. instead of palladium, and then we used uh, hydrogen and uh, protium and, and also deuterium gases uh, and tried some different chemical mixtures with the nickel powder as well. And then uh, we used a, a, an infrared laser as uh, as opposed to uh, Letz's uh, laser that was in the red region. And uh, uh, we did operate a little bit higher temperatures than they did uh, and also operated at a lot larger scale because we thought, well, if we're operating just uh, making a a fraction of a watt of power, people can say, well, it was a mistake or, uh, you know, it was common an anomaly. Mm -hmm. And so we were we built a a device that would be making uh, potentially many watts of, of power, uh, we were thinking we might get up to uh, say around 100, 100 watts of power. So when we did have a reaction, you wouldn't be able to dispute it. You'd say you, you really did have some heat coming off of this. So we did 36 tests, and yeah, only mm-hmm. one of them was was successful. 
we weren't able to reproduce it. So kind of the same story that a lot of other researchers <laughs> uh, have experienced. We reproduced all of the same same materials and same conditions and same length of tests, and we just could not re- reproduce the one episode where we had uh, positive results. And unfortunately, our funding was was running out, and so that's what ended up having to uh, to close the company. Is uh, we just couldn't find investors that would give us additional money. Uh, agreed with my wife that we would put a certain amount of money into this so that we wouldn't uh, wreck our retirement. And yes, we did end up using up the, the money and couldn't uh, couldn't reproduce this this result. But you know, I, I I came to believe that there was something real, and so that was uh, personally satisfying to me that uh, you know I, I doubted this for such a long time, kind of being a, a skeptic. And then saw, wow, we we did get a result where this thing was just starting to take off, and it was generating more and more heat over a period of about, uh, uh, I guess it was about a, a half hour, where the heat was continually uh, increasing, and we were decreasing the power put into the system. Um, so something was going on, and we actually got to the point where we had the laser turned off. And the heat was still continuing to uh, to take off, and then we ended up uh, quenching it and got it below a certain temperature, and then it did did stop, mm-hmm. and then we weren't able to start it up again. Do you know how much uh, thermal power you might have been generating there? It was se- several watts of uh, power. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but okay. uh, uh, you know it, it was up in the the twenty to thirty watt region. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's not too shabby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you got this result, and then you tried to reproduce it yourself. You tried to uh, reproduce those exact conditions, and you were never able to do that again. Yes, that's that's right. It was very. Uh, unsettling that we were so excited mm-hmm. that we were able to uh, to see this phenomenon and then just <laughs> wasn't able to uh, to make mm-hmm. it happen again and we showed the results to uh, several people Peter Hagelstein as well who said uh, yeah it looks like you got a you got a reaction there and and Dennis Letts said the, the same thing um and then we talked to some uh, venture capitalists and and they said well you know when you when you get to the point where you're ready to commercialize this and it's just going to take a couple hundred thousand dollars to uh to develop a prototype unit that you can you can uh, start selling uh then come and talk to us so <laughs> you know we were a long ways off from from having uh, something that mature uh, so it was enough to at least prove to myself that that there's something to this Mm-hmm. But not enough to keep going, and um, that is the issue, is the reproducibility. So what has to be determined is what was the difference? Because if it wasn't reproduced, then it must not have been the exact conditions. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We've uh, been going to a lot of 
ICCF conferences, and it seems like this is a pretty common story that people say they got a reaction and they weren't able to reproduce it. So uh, same story here, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it would be quite a different conversation here if we were able to reproduce it. Well, all is not lost because, David Daggett, you are running as candidate for the Washington State Legislature, and you may soon be in a position to support research at the level needed to achieve breakthrough. Talk about your decision to run for political office, and how does this relate to your career in science? Well, it is quite a different departure. I uh, really just got involved in the last couple of years seeing the attacks on science and EPA that were taking place from the administration and felt like I needed to, to do something. And I ended up mm, testifying at a Washington State hearing on behalf of biofuels with the uh, Union of Concerned Scientists. And so uh, they said, wow, you know, that was a great uh, testimony that, that you did for biofuels. You, you should think about running. So that kind of put the idea in my head. And uh, and I jumped in to help the local Democrats out here by becoming the webmaster for two different organizations. And uh, then was on the panel, the candidacy panel, to screen candidates to run against uh, our uh, Republican incumbents. And nobody was stepping up to challenge the Republican incumbent and give people a choice. And so I said, well, I'll, what the heck, I'll do it. (laughs) So uh, I I thought initially it was just going to be a kind of a, you know, lighthearted effort But then after I got into it and people started telling me how happy they were that they had a choice and people started donating money, I just really got involved in it and and said, yes, we're going to win this. And so we did win the primary and uh, polls say we're still ahead and we're charging ahead to win the general election as, as well. So very excited. Well, congratulations. Well, you've got the Cold Fusion Now endorsement. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And and yeah, if I make it in office, at least you'll know that you have an advocate in government mm. that does believe in LENR, thinks there's something to it, and I'll do everything I can to help the technology advance. Well, that sounds great. We know it's not even so much belief. It's just looking at the science and seeing what's been done and accepting what's before your very eyes. And in the face of a hundred years of nuclear theory, sometimes that's hard to see. (laughs) That's right. Well, if we're having trouble believing what's happening before our eyes with uh, global warming, I... I, uh, think we need all the advocates we can get in in government to push the science forward, or at least not to repress it. David Daggett, thank you for your work, and thank you for speaking with us today. Where can people go if they want to learn more about what you're doing? So our website is uh, votedaggett.com, 
and Daggett is spelled D as in Democrat, A, double G, E, double T. And uh, that tells a little bit about our campaign. And we just made a, a fun YouTube video we just put on yesterday. And it has, uh, we're told as of this morning, it has 10,000 hits. And so it's uh, it's just really taken off, I think, because it's funny and it's a lighthearted look at, at politics. So I, I encourage you to look at our website and uh, and take a look at the video, too, if you need a little chuckle. <laughs> well, David Daggett, we wish you success in your campaign. And uh, I hope next time we speak, I'll be speaking with a Washington state legislature. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rudy. We've been speaking with David Daggett, an engineer and Lenner researcher now running for the Washington State Legislature. For more on David Daggett, go to his website at votedaggett.com. That's D A G E T. The 19th meeting of the Japan Cold Fusion Research Society, JCF 19, happens this November 9th and 10th, 2018, at Iwate University in Morioka, Japan. For more information and links, go to the International Society of Condensed Matter Nuclear website at iscmns.org. magnitude 6.7 earthquake in Hokkaido, Japan has wrecked the laboratory of veteran Lenner researcher Tadahiko Mizuno. A GoFundMe page has been set up to help pay for repairs and replacements of lab equipment and they may have to move from the damaged building. If you can help, please search Recover Lenner Lab After Earthquake GoFundMe page or go to our website at coldfusionnow.org for links. That's it for today. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and, of course, find more episodes at coldfusionnow.org. Until next time, I'm Ruby Carrot.